talk to you today from the subject, Unlocking Potential. Everybody say, Unlocking Potential. And I'm going to take my text out of that, that little, little short verse we just read that he could not do or he could do no mighty work there. And uh, we have a Father's Day message for you, and we believe it'll be good to your soul. We believe it'll be good to your practical life. And uh, we're going to be addressing you today under the apostolic office and anointing of the teacher. And we pray that God gives us the strength and the help to do that. Everyone say unlocking potential. Now look at somebody and say, you look amazing and you can be seated. He could do no mighty work there. He could do no mighty work there. The point of this message is to influence how you interact with the men in your life. Fathers, sons, friends, but the points I'm going to share with you are interchangeable and they'll help to unlock potential in husbands and wives alike. They'll work in family dynamics, business dynamics, church dynamics. But because it's Father's Day, I'm going to focus on husbands and dads for a little bit and you'll understand that. Let's get started. There are three currencies in the kingdom of God. Everyone say three currencies. What is currency? It's a medium for exchange. It's how you exchange something for goods and services. And our, you know, currency uh, is not the thing you want, but it can help you get the thing you want. You know, money is not a car, but it can help you get a car. Money is not a house, but it can help you get a house. So it's currency. The other thing about currency is it flows. And because it flows like a river that's flowing, it can flow low. You know, your money, it can, your currency, it can flow low sometimes. Lord, help us, Jesus. It can flow kind of medium. It can flow high sometimes. Currency. Everybody say currency. currency. Now, spiritually speaking, in the kingdom of God, there are three currencies. They are mediums for exchanging spiritual goods and services that manifest into your natural life. And the three currencies of the kingdom of God are faith, dominion, and honor. Faith, dominion, and honor. Now, in the American church and the nation really as a whole, we have an honor deficit. In many of our families, we have an honor deficit. The current is running real low as it pertains to honor. And I'm going to tell you why. Most people falsely believe, and they believe this deep down in their heart, that bestowing honor on a person is a laborious task that you're doing for someone else, for the benefit of someone else. So if you're feeling real spiritual, if you're having a good day, if everything's going right in your life, you may honor people in your life. But if all hell's breaking loose, if your joy is low, if you're not doing great emotionally, you may feel like, I know I should honor you, but I don't have the energy to honor you right now. Because you really feel on the inside that giving honor and bestowing honor is a laborious task 
that maybe you should do, but it benefits the other person. And you don't realize that honor is a supernatural spiritual currency in the kingdom of God. And when you bestow honor on someone else, you release spiritual goods and services back to yourself. I read this in the commentaries, and I had to share it with you and quote it to you. It says, the blessings that come from honor cannot come any other way. I want you to hear that. The blessings that come from honor. Look at that on the right side of the screen, over on this screen too. The blessings that come from honor can't come any other way. And so there may be areas in your life where something's locked up and it's not moving, you know, and you're, you've been praying about it, you've been sowing, you've been doing everything you know in kingdom dynamics to get something to move. Honor may be the key to unlocking that thing. So let's get started. Point number one, honor is a principle even God is bound by. I'm going to say it again. Honor is a principle that even God is bound by. Let's go back to the text, Mark 6. Look at verse 1 through 5. Mark 6, 1 through 5. Then he went out from there, came to his own country, and his disciples followed him. The Sabbath had come. He began to teach. In, he was in their synagogue in his own country. Many hearing him were astonished, saying, where did this man get these things? How did he get this wisdom? Mighty works are performed by his hands. Then look what they said in verse 3. Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? His sisters are here with us. We know this guy. And they were offended at him. And Jesus said to them, he explained what was going on. He said, a prophet is not without honor except... His own country, among his own relatives, family, and in his own house. This is shocking to me. It goes on to say that because of their attitude toward him, that he couldn't do mighty works there. And it's shocking to me that the power and the potential of Jesus Christ was limited by dishonor. The creator of the world, the word made flesh, the one who upholds all things by the word of his power, he was locked up, restricted, and limited by the dishonor of the people who knew him best. Now, everywhere else he goes, he's healing the sick. He's raising the dead. He's turning water into wine. He's multiplying, you know, five loaves and two fish and feeding 20,000 people. Opening up blinded eyes, unstopping deaf ears, stopping funeral possessions, touching the casket. People are jumping out. He's doing crazy stuff. But when he goes home, he could do no mighty works there. Most men feel the least mighty when they go home. I'm going to say it again. Most men feel the least mighty when they go home. Jesus said it in Mark 6, 4. He said, a prophet's not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. Now, what causes a lack of honor? 
Well, the text reveals it. The first thing is familiarity. Where we get our word family. Familiarity. Family. People who aren't close to you focus on your strengths. Because that's all you portray and allow them to see. People who aren't close to you, they're not in your intimate circle. They have to focus on what you present, your strengths. But when people get close to you, when they get inside your circle, they get close enough to see the weaknesses. And once the weaknesses are revealed, now they can't see the strength. All they can see is the weakness. And the people in Jesus' hometown only focused on his humanity so they could not see his divinity. Since you're coming in here and teaching and saying you're the Messiah, I remember you, boy, when you was five years old. <laughs> running around, stirring up trouble. Now you're here, and, and yeah, you, you're awesome. You, you can teach, you can preach, and you, you got mighty works in your hands, but, uh, but I, I know who you are. You ain't God. They were so focused on his humanity, they missed his divinity. You remember last week, the moonwalking bears? If you weren't here last week, that's the, you're thinking I'm crazy right now. But, but, you know, you get so focused on one aspect of something, you can be totally blind to the other. And they're so focused on his humanity, they were totally blind to his divinity. It's like, I don't know if you followed the comic and the, the movies of Superman. It always seemed ridiculous to me that nobody could figure out that Clark Kent was Superman because personally, I think Clark Kent was a terrible disguise. It was a pair of glasses. You know, Batman at least had half a mask. You know, all the other characters and superheroes, they have a mask on. You know, and, and Clark Kent's got a pair of glasses. And I thought the writer was just a little ignorant or assuming, but then I realized, no, it really is like that. Because... They got so focused on the bumbling, you know, clumsy Clark Kent. The people around Clark Kent thought they knew him so well and focused on so many aspects of his personality that even when he just took the glasses off, they felt like there's no way Superman could be down inside a Clark Kent. And what I want to submit to you is I believe there's a Superman down inside the men in your life that it's possible you may not be seeing because you're not honoring them properly. And then the next thing that causes dishonor in the text is offenses. In Mark 6, 3, it says they were offended at him. And when someone is offended with you or by you, they can't honor you. And if, if you are offended at someone that you should be honoring in your life, you need to employ the basic Christian discipline of forgiveness. Okay. I don't know why so many Christians get hung up on forgiveness. It's a very simple premise. Jesus said, if you do not forgive others of their offenses, your father will not forgive you of your offenses. Somebody may have offended you, but you've done a whole lot offending of God. And so if you want to be forgiven of what you have done to offend God, you need to forgive and release others for their offenses. And then honor can return and the benefits of it can return to your life. Now, I want you to consider this. Consider the text we read. If dishonor hindered Jesus Christ 
from doing mighty works? Is it possible that dishonor is hindering a man in your life from doing mighty works? Now, it's Father's Day, and um, I'm going to speak for the men a little bit. And that's always a dangerous proposition. But, uh, ladies, it ain't easy being a man. We don't know what you want. We're confused, you know. Should we be tough? Or sensitive? And by the way, when would you like which? Should we listen? Or should we talk? And when would you like which? You know, every man, every man's had this happen. Your wife brings you a problem and she's talking to you about the problem. And out of the wellspring of your own wisdom, you offer her the solution. And she says, I didn't tell you my problem so you would solve it. I want you to listen. Okay. So you listen. And 20 minutes later, you know. Why don't you say something? Confused. I think sometimes y'all do it on purpose. Y'all forgive me a little bit. A, a grown man. A grown man will get himself dressed, have his car keys in his hand, be ready to go out and get in the car. And his wife will walk by, look at him and say, you going to wear that? I remember one time, uh, I remember one time I had to be somewhere early. I had a real early meeting. And so I got up and, and I got, I left the house about 530 in the morning. Katie was still asleep. And uh, when I came back from the meeting, she, uh, she looked at me when I walked in the door and she said, did you wear that today? No, sweetheart. I changed in the car while I was on the freeway. Yes. Yes, I wore this today. She said, all day? She said, um, who saw you? Last year, last year in the summer, Katie went to a women's conference in uh, Kentucky, and so she, she had missed a Sunday. And, and uh, when, I, when I got to church, one of the people that helped me in the back, they, they met me and they, they said, good morning, Pastor. And they, they looked at me and they said, uh, Katie, out of town? <laughs> and, you know, it gets to the point, you know, you've been dressing yourself a long time, but it, it gets to the point, you know, you hear it so much and 
your wife convinces you that you don't know anything about dressing, it gets to the point that you're a grown man and you're in the closet in your underwear taking clothes out, ba baby. Does this go? Does this look all right? You know, she tells you, go in there and sit on the bed. When I get done getting ready, I'll go and put your clothes. So you're a grown man, and you're sitting on your bed in your underwear with your kids, and all y'all are waiting on one woman to come in and get you dressed for the day. But it's confusing because that same woman who has informed you that you have no idea how to dress yourself will come in fully dressed herself with two different color shoes on. Do you like the blue ones? Or the brown ones? Wait, wait a second. You, you want my... Brothers, she doesn't want your opinion. I've learned this is a trick question. She knows what shoe she wants to wear. She's just looking for confirmation. So, so the best thing to do is when she asks you which shoe looks best is say, hmm. Uh, and just look confused until she decides. And then say, baby, I didn't want to say anything, but that, that looks amazing on you. Just looks beautiful on you. We're confused. Now, according to a national survey, a large publication did a national survey, 3,000 men, 3,000 women. Honor, respect, honor. Honor was the number one need of a man. Number one. Now, some of you ladies are looking at me, rolling your eyes, saying, oh, no, not my man. He has another number one need. No, ladies, sex in the survey was number two. But number one was honor. It's the number one thing a man needs. Now, I don't know why God did this, because when the ladies answered that survey, they listed sex at number 13. Men, it's number two. Women, it's number 13. Number 12 was gardening. You think about that for a minute. But for a man, honor is his number one need. Look at Ephesians 6, 2 and 3. Ephesians 6, 2 and 3. Honor. Honor. Honor your father and mother, which is the First commandment with promise that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. Now, they taught us this scripture in Sunday school all the time, and they really harped on that you live long. So if you want to live long, honor your mother and your father. I don't want you to focus on the live long. I want you to focus on that it may be well with you. Okay? That it may be well with you. 
There are many people in this room this morning who are not doing well. You're not doing well in your relationships. You're not doing well with your children. You're not doing well in your mental health. You're not doing well in your joy and your love for your life. And that may be because you've not been honoring people properly in your life. You've not been honoring God-ordained authority that has been set up in your life. Honor is a gift you give to others that benefits yourself. I'm going to say it again. Honor is a gift you give to others that benefits yourself. And what that scripture was saying is you can honor your father and it change how things go in your life. You can give honor to whom honor is due and it literally changed something in the framework of your life and your experience. And if your natural father has passed on, this will work with a spiritual father. And your father or your husband or your leader does not have to be perfect in order for the principle of honor to work. There are no perfect men. There are no perfect fathers. There are no perfect husbands. There are no perfect pastors. And Noah is a great example of this. Noah was a man of great strength and great fortitude. At a time in the earth where it had never rained, early on in Genesis, the whole earth, early in creation, the whole earth was watered by the dew of heaven in the morning and in the evening. There was no rain drops. So in an environment where it had never rained, God spoke to Noah and said, build an ark for the salvation of your house because I'm going to destroy the earth with a flood. Noah had the faith to hear from God and then to put a plan of action in place and build the ark. And he built the ark while people mocked him. He built the ark while people derided him, made fun of him, all these kind of things. And yet he had the, the fortitude to stand in the face of it and he built the ark. He had tremendous strengths, but he also had tremendous weaknesses. Every man in your life does. Okay? For Noah, his weakness was he drank too much. <clears throat> He had a substance abuse problem. So, you know, five seconds after he gets off the ark, he plants a vineyard. And when his vineyard came to fruition, he drank entirely too much of the wine and got stone cold blasted drunk. When he got drunk, he got naked. And the Bible insinuates that maybe he did something shameful or embarrassing while he was naked. And his sons, three of them, walked in on him. And they saw what their father was doing. They saw their father in his weakness. One son begins to criticize his father. Says, hey, you're supposed to be our leader. You're supposed to be a man of faith. You're supposed to be a man of God. What are you doing? This is ridiculous. And he walked out and he told others about what his father had done. He exposed him. Two of the sons, when they saw their father, they turned around so they wouldn't see. They took a blanket and they backed up with the blanket and they laid it over and covered their father. Now, the son that criticized and exposed was cursed. The two sons that covered and honored their father were blessed. Now, the principle gets wild, and it's, it's foreign to this world and to this world system. The kingdom of God does not work like this world system. Okay. The first son who criticized his father was factually correct. It's not like he lied. His father did do something wrong. 
His father did display a great weakness of character and morals. But even though he was factually correct, he was cursed by God because God esteems and values honor over facts. Now, I know you don't like that. We live in a fact-centered world. But search all through the scriptures. God prefers honor even in the face of facts. Okay. And so that son is cursed. The other two sons are blessed because they showed honor. Why? Honor is a currency in the kingdom of God. Now, their father was wrong, but they were still blessed for honoring him. Because the honor didn't have anything to do with what Noah did. The honor had something to do with currency in the kingdom of God and the spiritual force that it is. So, the people in your life do not have to necessarily be honorable before you honor them. We don't honor people because we, they deserve it. We honor people because we are honorable and we understand that it's a currency in the kingdom of God. Then point number two, when you receive, you release. Everybody say it. When you receive, you release. That was weak. Everybody say it. When you receive, you release. Look at Matthew 10, 40 through 41. It says, anyone who welcomes you, he's Jesus speaking to the disciples, he said, who, he who receives you receives me. He who receives me receives him who sent me. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. This whole text here is about receiving, okay? And the point of the text is when you receive something, you automatically release a reward back to yourself. When you receive a prophet in the name of the prophet, you release out of that prophet a reward to yourself. When you receive a righteous man, you automatically release out of that righteous man a reward back to yourself. So the question is, how do you receive the people that God has put in your life? How do you receive your husband? Or flip it, how do you receive your wife? How do you receive your father? How do you receive your leaders? How do you look at them? Now, when we talk about receiving, what's the first thing we think about? We think about gifts. When you receive a gift, you're excited about it. You're desirous to open it up and to experience it. Is that how you're viewing the people that God has placed in your life? And see, if you understand that God has ordered your steps, if you understand that God has planned and has ordained the situations and circumstances in your life, and you have faith in God and you believe you're following God, then the truth of the matter is, whether you like it or not and whether you see it or not, the people in your life are gifts from God that he sent you. Are you receiving the people in your life as a gift? Do you look at them as a gift from God in your life? Do you look at your husband as God's gift to you? Do you look at your wife as God's gift 
to you? Do you look at your father? Do you look at your children as God's gift to you? Now, they're not perfect. I'm not saying they are. But they may be perfect for you. This whole side left me. They may not be perfect, but they may be perfect for you. Because God, who knows every little caveat of your character, put that person in your life. They are a gift from God. You may be fighting and resisting a gift God gave you. Pastor, he ain't acting like a gift. Should have heard what he said to me on the way to church this morning. Yeah, because only honor releases the gift out of him. When you receive it as a gift, you release the potential outside of it. When you receive it with honor, it's a supernatural currency. It activates a reward out of what you've received with honor that comes back to you. But until you receive the people in your life as a gift, you cannot release the potential for them to be what God intended them to be for you. No, you, you Until you start honoring them, they're locked up. They're like Jesus in his hometown. He couldn't do mighty works there because they didn't honor him. Until you honor them, they will not be released to give you what God intended them to give you. you know, he's not meeting my needs. He can't. You won't honor him. She's not treating me right. She can't. You won't honor her. I'm telling you the missing component in many of our relationships is honor. There's a deficit of honor. Look at John 1, 12 to underscore this. John 1, 12, speaking of Jesus, says, but as many as received him. Come on, do it with me, church. As many as Let's do it again. As many as, that doesn't say everybody. It says as many as received him to them, he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. Now look at this. Jesus has all power. Can we agree on that? Jesus has all power. Power to save, power to heal, power to deliver. None of his power helps you until you receive him. He cannot be what the father intended him to be for you until you receive him. And neither can the man in your life. Until you receive the relationships that God has put around you and you perceive them as a gift from God to you, there's locked potential in the relate that, that they will never become. Go to all the counseling sessions you want to go to. Read all the self-help books you want to read. The missing component is honor. So that's Jesus' problem when he went home. They didn't receive him as Messiah. They received him as a carpenter. 
And as a result, it limited his capacity to do mighty works for them. And this principle works regardless of its application. Husbands, you have to see your wife as a gift from God. And you have to honor her as that. It will bring something out in the realm of the spirit. Or you can look at your job. Do you see your job? The job you have right now. I'm not saying you're going to stay there forever. I'm not saying it's a per perfect circumstance. But I'm saying right now, do you see your job as a gift from God? Because if you don't, if you approach your job, you know, I hate this job. I hate the boss. I hate the people around me. Just hate everything about it. Just got to get through the day. Then you're keeping potential locked that you'll never get access to. And you know, you may, you may leave that job and go find another job that's similar to it and in six months be in the same spot and it would do better to learn the lesson that's being taught the first time. Do you see the opportunities in your life as a gift from God and do you honor them? Because when you do, it will release something back to you out of it. So. How do we begin the journey of honor? And I want to say this, honor is a journey. The more you practice it, the more you put it in place, eventually honor will begin to change the condition of your heart. It will change your paradigms. You'll begin to literally view everything through a different set of lenses and live your life out of a paradigm of honor. But until you get there, what are some things that we can do while we're waiting on that transformation that can get the process started? Honor starts with your communication. <clears throat> when you communicate with the people in your life, do you communicate from a place of honor? Quiet in this church. When you begin to bridle your tongue and frame your communication in honor, then you know that you're on the journey. But most of us don't do this in our most intimate relationships because we say, you know what, that's fine for church. But when I'm in my house, I got to be me. I got to call it like I see it. I got to tell it like it is. I got to I got to do this. I got to do that. And and you don't want to allow the Holy Spirit to have restraint and to put reins on your tongue like James said. And people that just refuse to control their communication, they just spout off however they feel. Those people are telling you that they are immature believers, very immature believers. It's, it's a very basic Christian discipline, especially once you get empowered by the Holy Spirit. It's a very basic Christian discipline to bridle your tongue. That's why the Holy Spirit, a lot of his gifts involve the mouth and involve speaking because he wants to bridle your tongue. James says your tongue can set many fires and though it be small like the rudder of a ship, it can destroy the whole course and lead everything astray. Just your communication has the power to do that. So have you taken time to evaluate whether or not you are speaking and communicating from a place of honor. Have you given the Holy Spirit license into your intimate life, into the communication between husbands and wives, between parents and children, between close friends, between coworkers? Have you given the Holy Spirit license to bridle your tongue and influence your communication? And I want to give you a couple of examples of this. When we talk about honor, you can't think, um, you can't think that in order to, to walk in honor, you have to be uh, a person that avoids conflict or avoids hard conversations. You know, I know husbands and wife listening to me, you know, 
You just cannot avoid hard conversations. You can't have a successful marriage if you just stick your head in the sand and you avoid conflict and you avoid hard conversations. But you can still be honorable and have conflict. You can still be honorable and have difficult conversations. It, it all depends on how you frame the communication. It all depends not just on what you say, but how you say it and the spirit you approach the conflict in. You don't have to you know, walk around with your hands folded, worshiping the ground a person walks on to honor them. A lot of it has to do with how you approach dealing with them and the spirit and the emotion and the words you use when you're dealing with a person. And to give you an example of this, a couple of uh, weeks ago, Katie had to confront me about something. And I'm not going to tell you what it is, my business. And uh, nothing, nothing, nothing too bad or ugly, but uh, just a character flaw. And, and she had to confront me on it. And at first when she confronted me, I got mad. Because when men know they're wrong and they're confronted, that's our only outlet. That's the only thing we have left to do is just blow up and get mad, you know. And so I got mad. But because... She framed the approach in such honor. I was disarmed. And I had to realize, you know what? You're right. That is a character flaw. And I need to, I need to work on that. I need to work on that. Now, I promise you, if she wouldn't have framed that conversation in honor... I never would have been willing to make changes. Okay. I was, I was wanting to fight. But the approach and the honor that was brought to that totally disarmed me and helped me see. Yeah, you know, you're right. I need, I need, to, I need to change that. Then, a, then another one. This just happened last week. And I'll tell you about this one. A little bit of it. <laughs> Several years ago, there was a guy that he probably knows where I'm going. Several years ago, there was a guy that did and said some really offensive things to me and my father and um, just really really low character moves back then were made by this gentleman. And um, ever since then, I, I think it's, you know, Grandpa was a full-blooded Indian. I think it's the Indian in me that he, I just got a little bit, but, but you know, it's, it's enough's there. You know what they say, an Indian never forgets. And um, it just, you know, the, when I, when I, it only happens when I see him. Now, I don't have to see him a lot, but a couple of times a year, I'll be in a room and he's there. And what I've been doing is, and you be quiet now, you know who it is. What I've been doing is, when I, when I walk in and I see him, I've just been leaving the room. Because, you know, to me, he's got a face, you know, that, that you'd love to kick. You know, his face looks like you need to kick it, you know. Not, you know, not because of how he looks, you know, but because of what he did makes his face look to me like you should just kick him right square center of the face. So that's how I feel about it. And um, so instead of kicking him in the face, 
or instead of being offensive or being rude or being a jerk, when I see him, I just, I just leave. Okay. And I've been using the excuse and the justification of, I want to keep my spirit right. I want, I want to keep everything clean. I want to keep everything settled. I just want to keep everything. I don't want to, I don't want to get, you know, disturb my spirit or anything. So if I see him, I'm just going to, I've been thinking that's the real spiritual way to handle it. So last week I had to go, I was asked to go speak on a panel and there was a lot of people on the panel and there was a lot of people in the room and guess who was in the room? Yeah, kick face was in the room and uh, you go get me in trouble, man. So anyway, so, so I see him and I text Katie. And I said, you are not going to believe who's here. And I said, I'm just going to tell them that something came up because it did. Almost lost my lunch when I saw the guy's face. And, and, and I, I'm going to tell them something came up and I'm going to leave. I'm not going to speak on the panel. Okay. That's, oh, you're going to, you're going to, at me. I'm about 15 seconds from going in on you and the prophetic. You ain't ever had anybody that when you saw them, you wanted to kick them in the face. You ain't ever had anybody that the sight of them made you want to puke. Don't sit there and get sanctimonious with me. Oh, pastor. Oh, pastor. That's why preachers aren't transparent. The, that moan you just gave me. Oh. It's your lying self. So anyway. I text Katie, and I said, I know he's watching probably, but anyway, I text Katie, and I said, I said, I'm going to leave the panel. I'm not going to speak. I don't want to be here. I got to preach this week. I don't want anything getting, you know, I'm getting real, you know, spirit. I don't want anything getting in my spirit. And she texts me back, babe, God loves that man. And sometimes God blesses people that we don't like. And sometimes God blesses people with poor character because he's good, not because they're good. Now, I was waiting for her to text back, stop being immature. You're a pastor, for God's sake. Get a hold of yourself. Control your emotions. You know? I was wanting that, because if she had texted me that, I was already on fire. I was looking for somebody to lay some wood on my fire. I promise I would have left. But because she framed the confrontation in honor, I had to sit there and say, you're right. I got to pray about this. And doggone it, I got to go up to that brother and shake his hand. Okay? Okay? Didn't want to do it. Wanted to leave. But in reality was wrong and needed to be confronted. But... Just because I needed to be confronted does not mean that I should be confronted any old kind of way. Okay? 
And because honor was used, it was a blessing to everybody. Okay? It was a blessing to everybody. So, I use my life and examples to say that it's not saying that when you make a decision to honor in your household, when you make a decision to honor in your family, you make a decision to honor in the people that are around you, it is not saying that you have to follow them around on your knees. It's just saying that the way you frame and restrain yourself, your personality, your communication, how you bring up issues, your body language, how, you know, sarcasm is one of the primary languages of dishonor. How much sarcasm do you use? You know? Like, I'm, and I'm not talking about, you know, when, when you're just being funny and, and, and that kind of thing, but a lot of people bring sarcasm into intimate relationships and into important conversations. And then being dismissive is language of dishonor. When someone close to you presents something to you and you dismiss it, you, you won't receive the information, you won't consider the information, you're just dismissive of it. That is language of dishonor. Not only are you wounding them, you are locking your potential for certain spiritual blessings to be released in your life by God. So I want you to unlock your potential by honoring others. I want you to unlock your potential by honoring your spouses. I want you to unlock your potential if you still have them by honoring your father and your mother. I want you to unlock your potential by operating in a spirit of honor and allowing the Holy Spirit to influence how you deal with people close to you. How you do, you know, so many counseling sessions I, I have to do and so many things that are brought to me is men and women that one of the places they dread the most is going home. It shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't be that way. And through the power of the Holy Spirit and through working this principle of honor, you can transform the nature, the temperature, the whole feeling of that relationship until health and beauty begins to reign where discomfort and discouragement and depression and all that stuff did. Okay. By employing the tactic, the spiritual law, the spiritual principle of honor. And I, I read this too. It was very powerful about people that, especially if you struggle with mental health, if you struggle with anxiety, depression, those kind of things, the root of a lot of those symptoms is selfishness. Not selfishness in a negative way, saying you're a bad person, but being too self-focused, being too self-absorbed, being too into self, into how self feels, into how self looks. People that are desperately insecure, the root of that is selfishness because it's too much focus on self. One of the easiest and quickest ways to get out of that much selfishness and you know, at the same time, get out of some of the weight of the depression and the anxiety, the misery and that sort of thing. One of the easiest ways to slip out from under that is to start honoring the people in your house. Then broaden it. Honor the people in your community. Honor the people you work with. Honor the people in your daily life. When you start honoring other people, not only are you 
actively exemplifying the nature of Jesus Christ, but you're also heaping onto yourself spiritual blessings that will manifest in your natural life. You may go home today and make a decision, I'm gonna honor my spouse, and the return of that may not come back in your relationship or in your finances. The return of that may come back in your mental health. The return of that may come back in the form of removal of misery. The return of that may come back in a healing of your relationship with children. You never know the returns you're going to get from one seed of honor. It is a currency. There's a, there's a flow to it. There's a rhythm to it. So I want you to get in the flow. I want you to get in the flow and in the rhythm of honor. Now, the bad thing about this message is there's no activation point. I can't bring you down here to the altar and lay hands on you to go home and honor your husband or honor your wife. It's an elevated principle. It's a mature principle that you have to be willing to hear and then go put into play by a function and force of your will. This is how you test the maturity of a congregation. You stop, you not stop, but you pull back on giving them so much that they can instantly receive from you. And you start giving them things to go home, tools to go try on their own and see how it works out in your life. And I believe if you will take the things that I have taught today and you will revisit it, you'll replay the video, you'll re-listen to it, and you'll actively start to put it in place in your life, I guarantee you, you will be messaging me with testimonies of incredible results in your life as a result of putting honor to work in your household, in your family, in your community, at your job, and in all those places. If you receive that, stand and give the Lord a praise. Amen. I want to honor my father, the bishop of this house. And uh, happy Father's Day to you, Dad. And I want you to know the, the calls, the texts, the, the random messages you send him, they don't go unnoticed. I think, I think one of my dad's um, greatest strengths and greatest struggles is when you are as strong and as consistent as my father is, you get taken for granted. But you can only be taken for granted if you've been so consistent and so strong for so long. And um, it's, it's a tremendous blessing to this church, whether you're new and maybe you don't know him or whatever, but it's a tremendous blessing to this church to have someone who has led us and stood so strong for so long, so consistent for so long. And, and what I would like us to do, not for him, for us, not for him, everybody say not for him, for us. What I would like to do is I would like to honor him today with an honor seed for Father's Day. And I just believe in my spirit because I've been studying the principles of honor. I think as we honor him, something will be released into our life spiritually. One of the most powerful seeds that you can sow is an honor seed. And I think it's appropriate for our church, the age we are and the stage we are, to honor the man 
who built us, who carried us, who fed us, who nurtured us, who kept the wolves off of us and has done so much for this community and for the members of this church, for our teenagers, our children, all of these years. And so um, we're going to honor him today. And uh, what I would like you to do, Bishop, if you wouldn't mind coming and standing right here in the front, right down on this level. And if you have an honor seed you would like to sow, just come put it in his hand. Just come put it in his hand. If you're watching me online, there's multiple ways to give. If you want to give an offering to Bishop, you can, you can uh, specify that. Or if you want to give an offering to the construction that we've got going on in the church, you can specify that. You can text CWMSA to 77977 and text to give however you want your offering to be dispersed. If you would like to sow into our ongoing construction, we're doing a little bit more every week, you can sow into the construction. However you want to do it, I just want to encourage you to put some type of honor seed into the ground, the kingdom of God today. I know that God will bless you with recompense and strength and honor if you will first show honor and give honor where honor is due. Amen. May the Lord God of heaven reign on your seed. May he bless you. May he strengthen you. May he equip you and empower you. May he go before you and make every crooked place straight. May your God be your rear guard. May he be your fortress. And may you go forth in faith, dominion, and honor in the name of Jesus Christ. I speak blessing over your families. I speak blessing over your marriages. I speak blessing over your communication. I speak blessing over how you read the word that revelation knowledge and strength would begin to come into your heart and mind as you read the Word of God. I speak that the Holy Spirit of God would reign in His presence in your household. That your household would not be dominated by demonic warfare, but your household would have the peace of God administered by the Holy Spirit. I speak that the name of Jesus would be the banner over your life that the name that has been exalted above every name would be the banner, the authority, the dominion over your life. That as I said last week, you will not be dominated by anything except the Holy Spirit of God in the name of Jesus Christ. I call you blessed. I call you powerful. I call you the head and not the tail. I call you above only and not beneath. I call you lenders and not borrowers. I call you the best and not the worst. You're looking at the best class of people. You're looking at people that are rising. You're looking at people that are overcoming. You're looking at people that are winning their battles. You are looking at people that are anointed and empowered by God to go farther than they would have ever dreamed in the name of Jesus Christ. Lift up your hands and give God worship all over this house right now. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus.